For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. This is an impromptu version of Believe in Vikings uh, without Brian McKinney tonight. It is Sally from Minneapolis, Ron Saw. We have Brandon Gonzalez from Vikings Twitter, and I am your host, Dustin Baker. We are checking in today because it was unexpectedly a colossal news day in the Vikings orbit. It was just an ordinary Friday, and then all of a sudden, news just started dropping. So we thought it was apropos to hop on and talk about those topics. But first, we're going to talk about Believe, excuse me, betonline.ag. Uh, July is nearing its end, and it's been a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, BetOnline is where you should go to win money today. With the NBA Finals over and the Major League Baseball heading into the second half of the season, there's plenty of betting action to get involved in. If you're a football better, there are tons of futures and prop bets you can wager on as well. And then, for example, in the NBA, if... Uh, Damian Lillard was traded to front runners to land his services via trade of the New York Knicks and Philadelphia 76ers. And you can bet on that at betonline.ag. BetOnline has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. These topics write themselves. I woke up this morning, drove to my daytime job, and one of my contacts in the Vikings Territory Network uh, kind of hinted that things were buzzing, and I'm still relatively new to this. And I was like, how do you mean? And he was like, well, so-and-so told me so-and-so, but I'm not sure if so-and-so meant this. And so that started speculation. And then, boom, like five things happened. So I talked to the group. Uh, Ron's with us, Sally's with us, and Brandon is with us from Vikings Twitter. Uh, we decided we're going to jump on and do one of those impromptu shows because, as I said, the topics have written themselves. So the first one, I'm going to try to do this as a timeline. So when we get to this first topic about Devontae Adams, try not to spill the beans into the rest of what happened uh, today with the Packers. If it happens, so be it. Um, but the first thing that went down was a Ian Rapport tweet that said Devontae Adams' contract talks have stalled. And he's in bedfellows with Aaron Rodgers in the sense that his future is uncertain. My knee-jerk reaction to that was to think, okay, that means he'll play out his contract and then he probably won't be a Packer after 2021. Then the hype started to say, well, no, they're just, they're flat out not happy with each other. So we had that little uh, tidbit that was like, well, Rodgers and Devontae Adams aren't going to be there. Uh, Ron, do you think that the Adams stuff applies to this season? I don't. Um, I think Adams, especially at the position he plays, and you know he hasn't really had the financial security. I mean, not saying he hasn't gotten his bag in the NFL, but he hasn't gotten that 
massive deal that especially at a wide receiver at a position where you can get hurt at a moment's notice. Um, so I don't see him um, interfering with this season, but it's definitely going to interfere with next off season. And then the franchise tag is what they'll probably use on him, which will be frustrating like it is for every player. And then that's where the gripes will start to come. So um, again, this year, I don't think it'll have any impact as far as playing um, but, uh, obviously if, if Rogers isn't there, it'll <laughs> impact his ability. Um, but, uh, um, I don't see him as a package deal that they're like, they're both so unhappy that they both want out because it's, you know, but I, I understand the frustration, um, even taking my Wisconsin, uh, bias out of it. It's, um, the way that they've treated Rogers in this situation, um, is, is kind of asinine, even, uh, so much. So, you know, not only drafting Jordan love, but now it's, Hey, we're going to offer you a five-year extension or, you know, make it to five years being the highest paid player. Well, how bad is Jordan Love in practice? Or where was this thinking when you drafted Jordan Love? Cause you don't draft a guy in the first round. If you're thinking you have your guy for five years. Um, so the way they've handled it hasn't been very good. And I get to sit back and, you know, be very cheeky grinning about it just because I'm a Vikings fan. By, by the numbers with Rogers in charge, by the numbers, Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football. So it makes sense that he wants the contract that DeAndre Hopkins got, which is humongous. Uh, Sally, what is the deal with this Packers management? They're pissing off their soon-to-be Hall of Fame players. Troubled owners. <laughs> um, you know, I really wish that I could just spend 10 minutes in that office and just get a little insight because it is the psychology of it all is extremely fascinating to me. Um, as far as Devonte goes, um, I think it's a few things. I think he um, definitely wants to get paid, but I think if he doesn't sign, you know, that extension, um, the numbers that he puts up next year could potentially hinder his future mm -hmm. contract, depending on who the quarterback is. Um, and I think he knows that. I think it's pretty evident that him and Rogers have a great chemistry. And I don't know if you guys have ever worked in a negative environment, um, a negative workspace where the negativity just spreads and, you know, you just fester on it and you complain about something and then your coworker complains back to you. And even though this is like a locker room, these are professional athletes. I mean, you have to assume that it's very similar. They're talking, they're texting. Um, and, you know, Aaron, they're probably swapping stories about what the what the management is saying to them. And it's just getting hyped up even more. So I, I can't imagine him not playing. Um, I really don't think Aaron is going to. I never did think he was going to. But um, Devante, I, I don't know. I just don't think he's in the same place. Um, I mean, that would be wild. But the management, it's a mess. It's a mess. And I don't know how it got so bad. Like, is it the addition of LaFleur? Is it that new general manager they signed um, with him? I don't know, but it is toxic. It is. Uh, Brandon, so Rodgers is my age. And that means based on usual histrionics of football, he probably only has three years left unless he gets on the Brady train. So arguably... Devontae Adams not being a part of the franchise for the next eight years is a bigger deal than Rodgers. And we'll get to Rodgers in about 30 minutes. Uh, do you believe Adams will play for the Packers in September? Yeah, I do. Um, uh, I guess um, I, 
I didn't fully do my homework here, but he he's playing on a contract year, correct? Like this is yeah. his contract. So yeah, I think he will play. I think there's a lot of money in this, you know, for him. There's some variables that are interesting though when you look at that because it's like if if Rodgers retires or he doesn't play or whatever, he tr- gets traded or whatever, he's just not playing this year. Um, it's evaluation time. At least if if I'm in his camp on how good Jordan Love can be for this team. Now, um, I. I personally have my own opinions on that. I'm not a big Jordan Love fan by any means. I don't think, I mean, it'd be crazy to say that he's going to even be half as good as Rodgers. But, you know, if he shows, if he does play and he does show some some ability to, I guess, comprehend the, the team and play well and get some wins and keep the team competitive, um, maybe that could potentially influence Devontae, you know, especially if he gets a big payday from uh, Gudikins. But, um, yeah, it's... It's there's some interesting variables about it. Uh, Long term, though, if Jordan Love isn't, if he's like a a lower tier quarterback, not a, you know, a guy who looks like he's not a franchise quarterback, and that's kind of what he surmises from, you know, or he gets that feeling about. um, I do think it's. I just don't see Devontae Adams wanting to play on a potentially non-contending team to end his career because he's what 29 years old or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that. Also, to that point, I think he's like, yeah, 27, 28. He's him and Hopkins are close in age. Uh, But I was going to say to your point of, you know, playing with Jordan Love, it's almost a lot like the Allen Robinson situation where Robinson's a very elite level receiver. But but, (laughs) sorry about that. But, you know, he's getting franchise tagged and not getting these long term extensions where it's probably not his fault. uh, But the numbers are the numbers, you know, if whatever numbers you're putting up, like that's what they're going to come back at you and say that you're worth where. It's like, no, it's not my fault. Trubisky's throwing it at my feet or, you know, the 10 <laughs> yards into the, into the air, unless he's playing the Vikings. But, uh, um, so, and I, I think Adams is smart, smart enough to realize that, um, where at least maybe now he's at a point where he's got enough equity of being a great route runner. It's not necessarily that it's just Rogers putting it in the right spot, but he has enough on film. Um, uh, but it obviously will hurt his, the longevity and what he can do, you know, into his thirties. So, um, and it's also telling when your former, former college teammate is re- actively recruiting you, um, you know, in the season when he plays for a different team. So, um, you know, who knows? Maybe they're both just trying to save their own jobs. So the best take that you'll hear on here all night was the one that Brandon just had because um, Devonte Adams does turn 29 on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and that means based again on these histrionics of football, he probably has about two or three more years of his caliber of football. And it's exacerbated with Rogers, but that's a humongous question mark. Um, so yes, this is why he's going for the one big money grab is right now strike while the iron's hot. And on Allen Robinson, yeah, look at the the list of quarterbacks that have thrown him the ball. Normally, when you have a underwhelming quarterback and you're an elite wide receiver, you still find a way to get your numbers. But that's on a team that's five and twelve, you know, four and thirteen, and then that just makes for bad chemistry. So his numbers probably won't be as good as Rogers, but he's good enough to be the focus of all the targets. And you know, behind him, there's that drop off that's worse than the Vikings, uh, WR one <laughs> to WR three which is a perfect segue, um, and we'll get to more Packers stuff shortly. The What I thought was the news that was hinted at to me on our, our group chat, if you will, was the turned out to be D.D. Westbrook. He said on his social medias that he was in Minneapolis. He put a picture of Egan in there. So talks are going to happen between D.D. and the Vikings, and this has been a flirtation that has gone since, my goodness, March, and it's for one reason. 
Uh, it's because Keenan McCardle came over from the Jaguars and he coached uh, Westbrook every step of the way for every snap that he played in the NFL. Now, Westbrook's ACL tore and he only played two games last year. But the Vikings, for the last decade outside of Jarius Wright, have never had a wide receiver three that is like most teams do, who gets 600 yards, six touchdowns, and, you know, is a third down target. We just kind of say, well, I don't know. Um, Aldrich Robinson will work or Chad Beebe will work. And we habitually do that and we sacrifice the opportunity of those targets for these CJ Ham packages and, you know, getting the tight ends more involved, which to a degree works. I mean, we're, we're not this miserable franchise. But it feels like somebody in that building finally realized, well, hey, we could actually do this like the rest of the world does. So, boom, uh, Westbrook is in town, and I would be pretty stunned if he doesn't sign. Uh, I think they strategically made it on his free agent trip that he goes there first, and then the proverbial don't let him out of the building. So, Sally, does Westbrook, what does he add to this Vikings offense? Oh, my gosh. I mean, when you sent me that screenshot this morning, I was so excited. Um, We've talked about him, you know, several times now, at least two or three times on the show. And um, I think, yeah, it speaks volumes that his former wide receivers coach wants him, obviously believes in him. He's the one that knows him. Um, the best out of anyone. And so obviously he um, thinks highly of him, but yeah, you're right. It's been a whole since Jarius, right? Something we also talk about a lot. And I, I I think that we're going to need more options. Um, The likelihood of Jefferson being double teamed is high. Um, Same with Adam and heaven forbid, if one of those guys get hurry, we can't have another Chad BB, um, you know, type of type of, game or a couple of games. So the single most important thing about the Westbrook edition is to me is not that we can run sexy schemes because we have an WR three. Now it's that if something happens to Thielen or Jefferson, all of a sudden we have a guy who can play WR two and it's not like a, it doesn't feel like all hope is lost because Jefferson's out or Thielen is out. That's what I'm the depth is what I'm excited for. Mm -hmm. Let's say you Ron. Yeah, I agree. The the depth is huge. Um, and whether it's, again, I'm big, you know, you heard me talk about it a lot. It's the chess pieces, moving, interchanging things around. And, you know, I really like what Smith Marset brings to the table, but that's not to say he could be in wide receiver three every step of the way, but you can mix and match those type of guys. And yeah, Westbrook has the track record, you know, going back to his days at Oklahoma where he was a Heisman finalist. He clearly is an electrifying player. Um, I think most importantly, what it would bring, it brings security to that punt return spot. Um, because as of now, the guys we do have, the um, the running back, and I butcher his name, so I'm not even going to say it, uh, but the running back who drafted him and Mar- Smith Marset have capabilities to do the kick return, but we don't have really a punt return on roster. And that's what Westbrook, that's one job he's never lost. He's always been that go back there and at least catch the ball. So, um, but yeah, his ability as a wide receiver three out of the slot, and he's not just a slot guy. He can play on the outside. Um, and that just gives us three interchangeable pieces. Um, he, I think if he were in the mix, he's probably the most agile of the three, like not, not taking anything away from Thielen or Jefferson, but um, you know, having that guy who can catch a drag route for three yards and be shifty and, you know, make some moves in the open field. Um, that would be nice to have. So, um, but yeah, I love it. I mean, I'd still would rather see Fitzgerald just, uh, <laughs> um, for the big body red zone threat, but Hey, at least they're, they're addressing needs just like they're doing on the defense. Anybody that plays fantasy football knows that the Jaguars 
were this strange team that have like five dudes that are like the same outside of Chark, who's got a little bit more upside between like Colin Johnson, the rookie last year, LaVisca Chenault. Oh, and there's like three other ones that are, they all feel the exact same when you're trying to feel find cool. Yeah. 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 And you're trying to find a waiver wire <laughs> wide receiver. They all feel the exact same guy. So it looks like now we'll get probably the second fastest one of that bunch. Uh, and we'll add some speed. If, if it was left up to you, Brandon, would it be Fitzgerald or Westbrook? Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I would, you know, I would say the familiarity with Keenan, uh, is, is big. Like you kind of alluded to, um, it's, it's something that they feel comfortable with. Um, it, you know, especially if he's, he's a late signing, it's a guy that that could be a nice little transition, um, between those two, you know, and, and making that connection when he, when, when, um, when Westbrook does come over, I, I agree with all your guys' points though of the, you know, it's if we have somebody get hurt or maybe someone gets like a little calf injury, we got to make sure it doesn't get worse. I feel okay playing him there, you know, and looking, looking at some of the, his stats and some of his targets and the quarterbacks that he's played with and the dysfunction, dysfunctional setting that he's played with in Jacksonville. I, to be honest, those numbers are pretty impressive, you know, with all those things kind of going against him. So, um, you know, I was looking also at some of his, it was two years ago, his stats um, about just on third down conversions. Um, he, he had a lot of attempts. He was like top 31 year in, in third down uh, attempts uh, as, a, as a pass catcher. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that I think that's pretty interesting to look at on his resume that might, you know, kind of fly under the radar. But yeah, I I, I would say, uh, be, I can't deny uh, having Larry would be, I'd be very excited, but yeah. um, I don't know. It's it, it's nice little relationship with Keenan and that's pretty cool. If you follow Kirk Cousins' career prior to 2018 with the Washington football team, D.D. Westbrook is the exact type of player that Kirk takes and makes a 1,000-yard wide receiver. And Kirk did that ad nauseum with a hodgepodge of dudes in Washington, and it still boggles my mind that people think he targets singularly targets like Thielen and Jefferson because he doesn't. He made a career out of doing it in Washington. Um, Sally, were you going to jump in there before Brandon started talking? Um, I was going to ask something about um, a Chris Thomason tweet mm-hmm. about money, but I just reread it and um, I had read it wrong earlier. So mm-hmm. I thought I interpreted it that they didn't offer him the amount of money that he had in mind, but that is not what, what the tweet said. So. I had, I had uh, a Vikings fan message me about an hour ago asking my opinion on what the Westbrook contract would look like. And I think it'll be about 4 million a year. Is that, is that too cheap? I think that's a little too high. Oh, is it? I, like, I just, as someone coming up, I think it's going to be your typical one year deal, like all mm-hmm. these free agents are doing. Yeah. Um, and I think somewhere in like the two to three million, um, just, you know, on a prove it deal, because um, who are some of the big receivers that have signed like lately? I guess um, I can't even think, but um, <clears throat> I just think that the money on those one, like Eric Wilson's a perfect example where he was a starting linebacker and he yeah. went and, and didn't get much money um, on the open market. So, um, and again, I think the injury concerns is going to be the, the biggest part. Okay. I think we should specify for anyone listening to this. We are recording this at 1230 in the morning. So <laughs> forgive us if we're a little uh, slow to come up with names and figures. Yeah. Brandon's um, out there sober driving people around. So that's <laughs> what we're up against. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. I personally don't shop with the Vikings wallet. Um doesn't really concern me what they spend on who, but um, I think four sounds a little high to me also, but okay. no elite salary cap mind here. So yeah, they have 13.5 million, a number that 
somehow after like 10 free agent signings just always stays right in that range. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> adore it. Uh, the next thing in this timeline of events, uh, early in the afternoon, we got inv- involved in the pandemic politics of the NFL. Um, Courtney Cronin reported that Rick Dennison, our offensive line coach with varying degrees of success to his name is out because he would not get the vaccination. And now it's since been walked back a little bit that they're still exploring, but ESPN led with it. So I'm not sure uh, what the deal is. So maybe he's in some sort of capacity. So Sally, you were on ground zero of this situation because our running back two got in on the mix mm-hmm. and who we thought was in favor of a vaccination, but then stuck up for his guy or something like that. So what do you make of all of this? Well, um, you know, we, what was the, when did we have those new protocols come out? Was that two days ago? Um, the NFL it was yesterday. Okay. That's when Hopkins made the, the news. We talked about it last night. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it seems to me like that's, they're making decisions pretty rapidly there. I mean, I know camp is next week, but, um, I was surprised that that happened um, today. It is very bizarre to me that now there's other stories coming out where maybe he isn't, hasn't been let go. Um, I don't know why there would be conflicting reports, though. Like you said, I don't think Courtney would report that on bad faith. Um, So, yeah, as far as what I make of it, Alexander Madison, it was, you know, we all saw the tweets where he was basically saying that um, he said the season went when they played a full season last year successfully and he didn't understand why um, they were forcing vaccinations, essentially. Then um, a commercial that Alexander Madison filmed for San Bernardino County or city, I hope I didn't say that wrong, um, of him urging people to get vaccinated and saying we all have to stick together um, for safety. Um, so he's kind of contradicting himself in my opinion. Um, it's a little hypocritical, so I, I don't know what to make of that at all, but he just kept going and going. I think what he sent three or four tweets about it. Yeah. Um, Maybe he was more so like, uh, just like, Maybe he's fully on board for the vaccinations, but maybe just the way of the handling of we're just going to dismiss a coach or whatever well, for it. Yeah, that's kind of what I had a few people say to me, and I can I can understand that because well, I why, think did, why most, even get involved? Yeah, that's what I'm exactly. saying. You know, it's going to be kind of a even though I don't think it should be. It is a little bit of a controversial subject. Why would you stick your neck out and make a commercial if you didn't feel that strongly about it? You know, if hey, you're going to. Right. But here's my thing. How much can a can a local government be paying someone? I'm not like like it's not like he's getting rich off this commercial. I don't even know where you and no offense to Alexander Madison, but how many regular just residents of San Bernardino know who he is? I mean, yes, he grew up there, but are people keeping tabs on him and the majority of people? I highly doubt it. So I could not imagine that's a huge payday. Um, and they then like the whole point of where why are players even saying things like obviously the bills are going to be an interesting situation to watch all year because obviously Cole Beasley you know he's running his Twitter fingers nonstop um, and then you see Emmanuel Sanders and Stephon Diggs kind of clapping back and him and uh, Beasley and Jerry Hughes you know Jerry Hughes is a leader in that locker room they were trading bars on Twitter so it's like 
it, again, just keep things to yourself, whatever your opinion is, whether, you know, take our quarterback, for example, like he's just not sharing it. Like Dak came out and said the same thing, which that's their right. That's fine. They can do what they want. Um, but then also I'm sure there's players who are going to say it is my right that have gotten the vaccine because they just don't want to get involved. But um, I think more so the ones who are don't want to say whether or not they've got it. I think we all know kind of what, where they're leaning and what the likelihood is. But uh, um, again, like it goes back to with the whole masks and everything, like everyone has their right to do whatever they want to do, but then don't be mad when the team or an organization makes a decision because of, because of that, because they got to look out for their best interest too. Um, so, and it, the whole, like we alluded to before we started recording with, uh, with Dennison, if a coach can't be with his players because he's not vaccinated, how are you going to do your job? Like you can't watch film. You can't do anything. You can't teach techniques. And I'm not saying Dennison's a master of technique. Um, Cause Dakota Dozier clearly well, is yeah, on the team. Did you, did you guys <laughs> see that tweet about, Oh my God. I could not stop laughing. Let me find it. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, I but wish yeah, I had it like, pulled up. Like, you know, it, you need technique. You need to be able to teach your players. And if you can't be in the same room, like that right there is, is counterintuitive to being productive on the field. So that is grounds to be let go if that's the case. So um, I hate how like there's the backlash on it again. It's the employer has every right to terminate a contract um, if needed, because if they don't think it's going to work out, but because you don't like the reasoning this time that now it's all of a sudden an issue. Okay. Here's a tweet. So you're, so you're telling me the guy that started Dakota Dozier for 16 games has questionable judgment. <laughs> yeah, that won the day for her. She sent me that one. <laughs> She, she doesn't get too excited about uh, tweets, but she she loves that one. I mean, aside from the issues, I don't even care to get into that. It's just, it's just so crazy. Here's I don't the, know. When on, on the pandemic, the vaccine, the NFL, uh, it always flummoxes me that whether it's masks or now it's needles and vaccinations, it it spirals into uh, my body issue. I don't want to put that in my arm, but the pandemic has never been about you. And I, it, it really irks me because nobody cares if you're 25 years old and you can beat COVID great. That's nothing special. Uh, but you are a host, a potential host of the virus. So when you get it, you proliferate it. And just because you're tough and you don't want to get the vaccine or you don't want to wear a mask because you're an ardent individualist, that doesn't matter. You're affecting others. And so we we dovetail into this individual rights debate and nothing about a pandemic has anything to do with the individual. It's all about the masses. And it oh, I'm a political scientist by trade. And uh, if I had a platform for that, I don't know if you guys would ever see me again. Uh, but Brandon, tell me about what was your thoughts on the Denison News and then anything thereafter? No, I, I mean, I think you guys perfectly covered it. And I like what you just said there. I mean, it's 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 just it's more than about you and that's just a little frustrating, but um, yeah, I just, I just instantly think like, I, you know, I, you guys covered it uh, outside of the locker. I just think about like the locker room. I'm really concerned about who, how we can uh, kind of make sure that we, we don't let it, let this kind of become a bigger issue, start having dividing in our team. And that's what I'm pretty concerned about, you know? Um, and it, we've had some pretty loud voices, you know, uh, right or wrong. Uh, I won't, you know, but like Patrick Peterson saying some things on his uh, YouTube channel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Madison today, um, I'm sure other guys have been uh, probably have talked about it or voiced their opinion more so off media and in the locker room, you know, and 
those those are the things that um I you know you have a lot of good things going for the Vikings. Uh, selfishly as a fan, I'm I'm speaking right now, you know, like um and you just want to see <laughs> like you, you lost potentially potentially lost your O-line coach, right? Mm-hmm. Um and now like when I think of that, like I think of wow, we have a I don't I forget how old Kubiak is. He's in his 30s, right? He's he's a first year uh offensive coordinator. And he's already got a lot of responsibilities. And now you got a, a what is it, the Auburn uh, old O line coach who's who's promoted from assistant now. And, and you got you got a, I mean Clint's got a handful, you know. And and Rick Dennison's a guy who used to call plays. Um, he actually called plays at one point. So you know, like that's a guy that maybe Kubiak could have leaned on along with his dad, you know, phone calls and stuff like that. So that's, I you know, from a, a selfish standpoint as a fan, I'm, I'm just very concerned about about and you know, on top of the you have Darisa, right? You got a rookie. I love Darisa. You know, I love his prospect. But you know, like I'm just concerned about development. Um, you know, making sure that we get adjustments. Um, on the O line, you have Wyatt Davis. I mean, we're still trying to work on Bradbury in the past department. You know, uh, Cleveland's still developing his second year. You know, O'Neill's really the only sure thing right now, and you got a lot of uh, stuff uh, moving around up at an important spot. The Vikings have struggled over the good part of a decade, so it's it's interesting. I think the at least the one best part about that, I'm sorry, Dustin, um, is the fact that this happened before camp started because now at least whoever that new voice is, it's going to be in there. They get to work with them from the get go, so it's not changing up anything. That's they don't have to unlearn anything, especially for those new those two rookies. So I think getting out in front of it is going to be a right. good thing for the Vikings, and it's not going to be like when Sperano passed away. Um, and I think that that was in the middle of camp, or that was you know there was already stuff going on, and then that took a a big hit to the team throughout my life. When things go haywire, especially for, for me in 2012, uh, I call my mom and uh, I think that's what Clint might have to do. If he runs into this stuff, he's got the almighty mentor and his dad and he's not far removed from the team. So I, I, not that that would be a salvage salvageable, completely salvageable ordeal, but he's got a pretty decent teacher for if he needs to make the phone call Sally. So when, on, on the tweet that you mentioned, there was a sentiment of that, and when Dennison, when that news broke from Courtney Cronin, uh, some of us Vikings fans were like, well, this day keeps getting better and better, you know, because <laughs> Dennison was not a savant in developing the pass protection for this Vikings line. However, uh, in tandem with Dalvin Cook, the, the run game worked. So where do you fall on the bittersweet aspect of this news? Is, is it more Dalvin that's responsible or is it Dennison's baby? And how do we reconcile the fact that now our run game starts from scratch? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I would, that's a good question. I, I obviously it's probably some sort of a combination. Um, I'm, I, I tend to lean that it's Dalvin and his, his physical talents. Um, but I guess that's hard to say. I hope that at least the fundamentals are already in place um, to no matter who steps in and fills that role, it can be duplicated since there is proof of what works um, for the run game. Um, So hopefully it won't be uh, too big of a deal um, as far as the continuity goes there. Um, But I agree with, with Brandon that there is cause for, for concern for the offensive line for a new reason, which we certainly do not need. Um, And I think a lot of teams are in this boat, but like he said, I mean, you don't need this divisiveness in the locker room when you're going in to start a new season. So um it's very complicated. 
Ron, is this a fresh start for the hopefulness of the pass protection or is this a regression? Ugh. I mean, it's hard to, to think of it as a regression because it was, it was so bad last year and they do have the new bodies that they're going to be plugging in hopefully. So, um, you know, it's, Hopefully you think it's one of those things where talent just takes over. Obviously, Darisaw, you know, a first-round pick. Wyatt Davis uh, would have been a first-round pick had it not been for injuries. Um, so at some point you let talent take over and you kind of let these guys um, do what they know to do. Um, and, you you know, I know McKinney's talked about it too, where, where you find ways to, to get the best out of the players. You don't plug players into your system. And I think um, to the Dalvin part, Dalvin made a lot of stuff happen just by his dancing ability in the back. Um, so, you know, obviously Dozier showed how bad he was as a right guard and he's getting, or what did he play left? I don't even know. He probably played left, but was more on the right side because he's that bad. Um, but uh, he, so it doesn't mean that he's necessarily a great run blocker, but the results might be there, but that's probably because of Dalvin's vision and his elusiveness to be able to make something happen. Um, so, I would, I trust Dalvin and our offense overall um, over, you know, Dennison and maybe what he brings to the table. Um, I also don't think that if Dennison was great at what he does, I don't think they would have made the decision, but I think that kind of went hand in hand, like, well, we may have to deal with this as a problem. You are underperforming as it is. So let's just call it quits now. Um, and as far as locker rooms go, um, like, it would be such a Vikings way, like where things are going well, we're doing great. And all of a sudden someone has COVID and they're out and, you know, um, it costs us a game. Um, and that would be, the, you know, what the Vikings way of it happening. So let's hope that it's not the case. Let's hope we don't have a locker room divided and that um, everyone is, you know, able to navigate these waters uh, as a team, as a brotherhood that they should be. Well, here's my thing with the rules. Like, the NFL has what they have to have a team of hundreds of lawyers, right? Like they fully researched what these rules were going to be before they put this out. You know, you have to believe that they've been thinking about this for months on end. Um, and I'm sure that they knew that there was going to be a lot of fallout here. So they've, I would assume they're probably prepared for a lot of players to sit out. I mean, that seems like it's the risk they're willing to take so that they don't have to reschedule games or be responsible for there being outbreaks. I mean, look at what happened last year. I think there was, what, 18 rescheduled games. Um, I think at least three of those were Browns games. So... They just seem like they're done with it. And these people that I see online talking about HIPAA violations and Uh, HIPPA is usually how they have it, too. So, uh. right. Oh, right. And it's like you really think the NFL didn't research HIPAA violations before they came up with this? I mean, unless you're a medical professional, HIPAA does not apply to you doesn't apply to you at all. So those people saying that if they have no idea what they're talking about, but to that point, I I bet you'll see a lot of, maybe not a lot, but unexpected cuts from players um, based on vaccine status. Cause there's going to be a team that's going to be like, you know, maybe Buffalo's going to, it's going to happen with them where Cole Beasley, Hey, we've had enough of you. We have Emmanuel Sanders here as well. um, Who can play the slot. So we don't need you. We don't want to deal with the hassle and we don't want to deal with, you know, your propaganda that you're going to be spitting. So um, I can see players losing their job um, on teams because of that. And it'll be interesting when it comes out, um, you know, when they have to cut down to 53, um, what, what that justification is, but it wouldn't shock me at all. 
if the uh, if the gas station down the street tells you that you can't have visible tattoos when you work for them, then the NFL can tell you that you need to be vaccinated. And it gets into the you know employment versus freedom of speech because you know there's always this <laughs> uh, misinterpretation of the First uh, Amendment that you can say whatever you want. The only thing that protects you from is incarceration, um, so that I can go call my neighbor something vicious. I'm not going to go to prison for it, but I can't go call my boss something vicious. Uh, and that, that misnomer has been around since I've been able to read. So uh, yeah, it, it, and it applies here. Um, last night, I forgot to ask McKinney about the interchangeability of Dalvin Tomlinson possibly playing some nose tackle and three tech, if he could do that. So don't let me forget to bring that. But the other thing I don't want, let's not forget to ask him about this offensive line coach thing. Because there should be no other, yeah. no better person in yeah. the world to ask than Brian McKinney about how much does that affect? How long? How much can you trust a, a whippersnapper offensive line coach taking over five days before training camp? So let's not Wait. pencil that in. One of you. Maybe we can finally get Tyson. Oh, that would be perfect. Yeah, that's actually, <laughs> maybe. Maybe we can finally. get him back as a O line coach. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, we yes. can. We, we can make it happen. Yeah. All right, so let our last topic of this busy news day is dual faceted because it involves the Wisconsin team. So um, piecing together the timeline again, right after work for me, so about maybe 4, 5, 6 p.m., Zadarius Smith said that he needed a realtor, <laughs> which either means he wants a long-term contract or uh, he wants out of town. And uh I started to think, well, what does that mean? And then the same contact that told me that stuff was happening said that he just, he's got a vibe that something else is going on. Uh, and then we started to get the leaks per Vegas sports books that Aaron Rodgers will likely retire next week. And I've said on multiple shows that I've been on that I thought that's how this is going to be resolved. I thought I'd get an alert to my phone that Aaron, Aaron Rodgers retired because he is a free enough spirit and he's got the Jeopardy stuff going on. He's got a cool actress girlfriend that, although he's at the peak of his powers and off an MVP season, he's the type of guy, when you look back, that you can be like, yeah, he walked away because he wanted to do it and he was pissed. Now, who knows what will happen 2022 or 2023, but Vegas sports books are starting to nibble at the fact that he's going to retire. So, Brandon, that, that was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back. So we need to do a podcast tonight because Aaron Rodgers might be retiring. Um, do you think that is how it's going to go down, sir? I will, you know, before I answer that, I'm just going to say what, all right. So if he retires, um, does he forfeit the rest of his contract entirely? Does he get a portion of that? Um, if he retires, then yeah, he, no, he's he, breaking the contract and it's, mm -hmm. it's done. And I don't so think he can. I don't think he can easily just waltz back to the Jets. No, then you owe. Yeah, you owe money, mm -hmm. um, whatever, on your guarantees and whatnot. So, so there's legal stuff that I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, what a disaster it would be if he retires and then they can't cash in on getting any trade for him and miss out on like three or whatever first round picks. <laughs> and then Devonte Adams is like, you know what, Jordan Love's not right. And, and then, then their edge rusher. Yeah, and then Darius Smith's like, you know what? I found a good realtor. I'm out of here. Green Bay all of a sudden looks like Green Bay, Wisconsin, when you don't have Hall of Fame quarterback at the home. <laughs> yeah, boom. So the the funny thing, like, and I'm, I don't know if um you guys have kind of seen the the tweets about it. I know if you guys are monitoring it a lot too. But um the interesting thing that I saw was 
his agent or the guy who represents him, David Dunn, is the guy who represented Carson Palmer when Carson Palmer did have the same threat with Cincinnati when he said, I'm not playing, I'm not showing up, he retired. And then they traded him to Arizona. So um, I'm sure that that's a lot of the reason. It's that this guy knows how to navigate those waters, knows the legalities behind it and how to get out of contracts. Um, so I think that there is that parallel where, you know, at the time, Carson Palmer, you know, without injury, he was the top five quarterback in the league. So, um, you know, very similar to what's going on here. So maybe Rodgers is going down that window of, you know what, I'll retire. Um, I'll show you that I'm not bluffing so that your only alternative is to, you know, eat me unretire technically and then trade me so you can get assets. Otherwise I have no problem staying put at home. The one thing I will say about Rogers that I actually really respect um, is that, you know, Oh, like he's, he's willing to, like, he's already shown that willing to like sacrifice quite a bit of money potentially, you know? And like, he's saying like, you know what, like it's, it's just about relationships. Some of the relationships that, that were broken and trust and, you know, maybe not, not enough communication on the Jordan love front, you know, maybe like just not enough communication on, Hey, maybe I have recommendations on who we should draft like a receiver um, that we, you know, and stuff like that. And it's, I don't know, like it seems when I listen to the majority of Packers fans, now this is just in my world. So maybe this doesn't apply to what you guys have heard, but a lot of Packers fans have talked to a couple of season ticket holders are pretty upset with Aaron and, you know, like right or wrong, like, it, I just, I just feel like I can understand why Aaron's mad. Like he just turned down what the biggest contract in NFL history. Is that right? Potentially or per, per year. Yeah. I mean, he's saying it's not about money. Not at least not yeah. for me. I, I can get that with jeopardy or whatever it is, but like <laughs> it, it's, it's more about like what, you know, like breaking trust. And i I can respect that. I can understand that. So I think Packer fans are just spoiled. Like, I mean, like again, not taking my cheap shot at them, but they've had the, you know, 30 plus years of this play. It's, um, yeah, like it's like, but yeah, like you have to be kind of, you know, just not seeing things clearly. If you don't think that there's some sort of mistreatment there, say what you want about Rogers as a person. Like I'm one who I'm not a fan. Um, like he's always blaming everyone else. He seems very arrogant, but he's the best player um, on the team. And you guys haven't done anything with them. Like, I mean, realistically, they won a Super Bowl, but he should have three. Um, so I don't know. It's I get the frustration from his side too. Point of order, cheap shots against the Packers are welcome here. And always, <laughs> always will be. So you don't even need to caveat it next time. Uh, <laughs> Sally, we talked about Carson Palmer there. That probably lit up your world a little bit. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, when I saw hair. the tweet earlier. The red hair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you and um, our departed pal, Joe Johnson, um, were – of the same mindset back a month ago, two months ago, that the Rogers stuff was real and then probably, and he wouldn't play for the Packers. Where are you at on very early morning of July 24th about it? Well, let me just say, you guys pretty much all touched on everything, every point that I have. Aaron Rodgers is not like most people. Anyone else who has threatened this in the past, Aaron Rodgers is a hundred times more arrogant than those people. And rightfully so, right? He is never, ever, 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 ever going to go back in that locker room and sit there and and nod and smile at Matt LaFleur. And this is just going to get brushed under the rug. He's not that guy. So I've said that from day one. I got into an argument with it about, about it with uh, Joe Oberly. 
Um, I wouldn't. And also my buddy, Ted Glover, those two, they don't seem to, to see it. But I think you have to understand human relationships like you guys have touched on. And there, this is broken beyond repair. I am surprised that he even signed an extension when he signed his last one, because it was pretty obvious that he was perturbed back then um, when McCarthy was still around. And I think that they probably promised him, OK, Aaron, we're going to get you some help. We're going to draft you a wide receiver. We're we're listening. And then it became very evident based on who they drafted that they were not concerned <laughs> with um, with him finding success with a new wide receiver. Um, people naysayers say, well, he's not in the front office. He's not, um, you know, they have to plan for the future. They picked the player that they thought was the best available. Okay. But let's remember they traded up for one. Um, and you were in the NFC championship game two years in a row. It's not like you're, you know, far off. It's not like you, I mean, that is, would it be a piece that would greatly help them? Um, so I don't know what the heck they're doing, but I think under no circumstances will he play. He doesn't need money. He, you know, he'll work for gets state farm commercials for the rest of his life. He doesn't need money. It's not about money. I think it's about being happy and, he knows that he's not going to be happy there. There was a time in football not very long ago where it would be preposterous for a player, a quarterback to be involved in front office moves and draft selections and have all this pull. But we've talked about with McKinney, players are empowered now. They can speak their mind. They can get their side of the story out with Twitter, like one text message or one hundred and two hundred eighty characters, whatever it is, they can talk now. Whereas before, uh, it was all through conduits. So they're empowered now. So when Rodgers sees other quarterbacks having input on the input of their franchise and he's still treated like a fourth grader, mm-hmm. yeah, and with a guy with that type of uh, resume and clout, yeah, it hurts him. And I think that's the reason that he's going to not be a part of the team. When the his team that he quasi-owns or whatever with the Bucks when they won the championship, he tweeted – Incredible job by Weston, Mark, Peter, John Horst, and our GM made some incredible moves and our stars played like stars. Can't stop Giannis. And then his awkward hashtag that he does at the end of every tweet for some reason. Um, so that's, that's, it's a veiled passive aggressive shot that if you only did this a couple hours away, I'd still be on the team. And I think all he wanted to do was to be heard for however long. And because he's so good, he's dragged them to NFC championship, but they lose and they lose and they lose. They we've lost six consecutive NFC championship. They've lost four. Uh, So I think it's just hit a pinnacle of frustration. And I absolutely, I love it. I will not stop relishing this story. What do we think is wrong with LaFleur and this this front office? Because is it just that they want their name on their guys and they want to prove that they can do it their way? Because this makes no logical sense. No, I mean, yeah, even go ahead, Brandon. Well, I was I was going to go off on a tangent, like in the NFC Championship game, like and I like it's kind of a little different path, but like. That if I'm Rogers, like right, they were down in that late fourth quarter. They had a chance to go for it on fourth down, and they didn't. They put out the the kicking team, right? And and after the game, the question to to Rogers was, did did you have a conversation with Lafleur? Like, was that even had? And he said, no, no one, no one, no one talked to me about that. Like that just 
summarizes the whole the last few years with Gudikins and Lafleur and like how they treat Rodgers. Like they're like you gave the ball back potentially to to Brady to win the game, and instead of trusting your Hall of Fame quarterback, and that just if I'm Rodgers, that's just another nail in the coffin. So. Yeah, with the whole yeah. um, Lafleur. Yeah, we are late. I was going to say Nagy, uh, but with the whole Lafleur, like I go back to again his Tennessee days. He, he just wanted to have a time timeshare with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. Now all of a sudden he's this great offensive mind that because you give him the best quarterback of this generation and he can do something with it. So yes, yeah, he's twenty six and six in the regular season, but it's not because of you. It's because of Rogers. So perfect example. You come in and. Sally, like you said, you're a game away from the Super Bowl, and literally, you could have 20 other positions of draft, not a kicker and punter, and it would help your team get over that step. But you take a quarter, the backup quarterback, that literally, like if he sees the field once, your season's in trouble, anyways. Even if you took a kicker at that point, uh, because it's Sebastian Janikowski to put up points. That's a better pick. Um, so you're literally that to me is an ego play of like, you know what, we're going to do it my way. And we're going to set my foundation. Whereas, you know what, maybe, maybe we just got ran for 300 something yards by Raheem Mostert, but why don't we just get a nose tackle? I don't care who it is. Get the biggest, fattest guy to stop the run. That'll help you. That's so, like, when the, yeah, no, I was just going to say, so like just that, like you, you come in and you think that you want to start things this way. That's obviously not going to get off to the right foot. And that's clearly an ego play. When the Chiefs were ransacked by the Bucks um, in the trenches, what'd they do this offseason? They stockpile offensive line. They, they did it how we would have done it in Madden. They just said, well, we're never going to want let that happen again. We've Bring got, Kyle Long out of retirement and yeah, everything. So. We've got Superman, <laughs> yeah. and so now we're just going to fortify the trenches, whereas the Packers would have seen that and probably just drafted another cornerback. So it seems like throughout these last three drafts, they specifically designed them to irritate their Hall of Fame quarterback. And, yeah. it's, and I love it. It's yeah, and uh, Dustin, I was going to make a comment on here. We've lost six straight championships or whatever, and they've lost four. Look at the quarterback play in our six versus the quarterback play in their four and just see the, the dysfunctionality of the of the teams. Because we went, met, went to a lot of those championships with teams that we probably shouldn't have, minus the far view. Um, yeah. Every other time, you know, Keenum, um, you know, nothing. I think it was Culpepper, nothing against Culpepper, but he's not on the same plane as, um, as Rogers. So, uh, yeah, it's clearly dysfunction that's been buoyed by, you know, 30 years of quarterback play. It's hard to, to imagine a scenario where this doesn't blow up in their face, where they don't have, where they just don't look, end up looking stupid because Aaron, like we said, Aaron can sit at home and he will be fine. He can come back when his contract is up. He'll have another year to work out. He will be even more angry, even more arrogant and have something to prove. It's not going to work out for them. And I don't know in what world you think you're going to outsmart Aaron Rodgers in this game. And he's, on the field and practices, he knows what Jordan love is at this point, or at least what his ability is. So like, he wouldn't be doing all this stuff if it weren't for like, he has the leverage. He knows that the Packers probably think they're in trouble. Like they made the wrong decision. um, And now they got to, to fix that. Um, And then you get the Packer fans saying, Oh, he's working out with David Bakhtiari. All is good. Well, you know what? I can have friends from my past job that I was at too doesn't mean that I'm going to be working with them like it's it's did they want to hang on to all these things after like you know Sally you said like they they want to blame Aaron it's like 
But yet now, the second you start to pull it away or the second you start to, you know, Mike Florio post something that um, like this is what's happening. Oh, he doesn't know. You know, Adam Schefter's only been doing this for, you know, however many years, but he doesn't know. Like, but me sitting in, in section 212, I know. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> if if, if exactly. Rogers, if Rogers does not retire and goes elsewhere, it's I you can write it down. It's going to be the Denver Broncos or Las Vegas Raiders. Those are the only two spots you can. That's that's my my little soapbox that makes way too much sense for the Broncos. And then the Gruden fascination and the, the Raiders live in um, kind of our Kirk Cousinsville with Derek Carr, where his fan base thinks he's good. But then you watch it. And you're not quite sure. Um, speaking right. of which, uh, we connected last night, or Sally and Brandon did on the Kirk Cousins topic. Uh, so you went into a forum, a Twitter forum, and then Brandon said, well, speak of the devil, because he perceived you as an anti-Kirker. I don't know why he said speak of the devil, but yeah, I got into Twitter spaces last night after we logged off because I saw Alex McLeddy was in there and I wanted to see what he was saying. And then somebody was like, oh, hey, Sally, speak of the devil. And I'm like, well, OK, I <laughs> think they're saying something juicy about me. You know, I'm like, well, what's up? And um, Brandon says, I have a question for you. And I'm thinking, well, this is going to be something interesting. And he says, how do you feel about Kirk Cousins? And I'm like, what? That was it. Okay. We got to so. hear your your Kirk Cousins speech, Brandon. Do you have one? Yeah. Um. I I, I won't try to bore you. I, I I'm a, I love Kirk. I like Kirk Cousins a lot. Um. Do I think he's a a top five QB right now? No. But do I think he's somewhere between that, um, between seven or eight and like the eleventh or twelfth best quarterback? You know, given a, a week and his protection. There's a lot of variables. You know, like. Feel like a lot of people just dismiss that football is such a team game, and like, <laughs> like, like to Dustin's point, did we watch the Super Bowl? Did we watch his O line fall apart? Did we, did we see that like when you don't have an O line like the 49ers game, right? Like you, you, you can't do a lot. You know, even if you if you're the greatest quarterback ever and with the greatest arm and and have some great receivers, blah blah blah. Um, so like, you know, Kirk Cousins, um, I think he definitely, when I asked the question, is he good enough to win a Super Bowl? I think so. Looking back at some of the quarterbacks that got to the Super Bowl, like if you can get to the Super Bowl, you have a chance, right? You have a serious chance. Like Jared Goff got to the Super Bowl. Okay. There's a lot of reasons why that happened, but he got to the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, Garoppolo was in the Super Bowl. Okay. <laughs> Joe Flacco got there as well. Nick Foles slash Carson Wentz. Nick Foles, right? They, Got to the Super Bowl. There, you can definitely have a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, and you don't need like, like you you have to have a good team. Don't get me wrong; you have to have a very good team built around it. But you don't need like the most perfect best team of all time. Like you, you just need a good old line, and, and we'll see this year. And you need some good defense. And last year, I think a lot. You know, sometimes we we get caught up in 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 losses, and it gets frustrating. But I mean, the offense was not the issue last year at all. I mean, you. You guys that watch the Vikings, you, you guys know that. Like, we we scored, I don't know, 27-ish points a game. We were top five in a lot of major categories offensively. And our defense was bottom five in a lot of categories, which was rare under the Zimmer era. You know, I love Zimmer. I'm, I'm a big fan of Zimmer. And, you know, like, it, it was it was a rough year. But um, I, I just – I think that Kirk Cousins, it's it's interesting. $45 million next year, obviously. Um, and see what happens, you know, this year, how we evaluate that. But um, I'm excited about Kellen Mond even a little bit, but 
Kirk Cousins is the guy right now for me. Um, and I think we could definitely make a playoff run. And I, I think Dustin and I talked about this on a space. I think you had a space last week, Dustin. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, you, we kind of, I asked you like, what does it take for like Kirk Cousins to be potentially back next year? Right. I think we agreed on, like we said, the playoffs. And then we, we kind of said like at least one win in the playoffs, yeah, right? Definitely like, one win. And if, I'm 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 rooting for Kirk because I'm a Vikings fan, but I also think Kirk gets just he gets crapped on a lot. He gets <laughs> crapped on a lot. And Was- Washington was so dysfunctional. And like you said, he made a lot of receivers a lot better than they were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'll add to your list of quarterbacks and uh, I'll save his name with the caveat, like had it not been for two fantastic throws, this guy would be an average quarterback at best. Eli Manning. Eli Manning. Even yeah. what 116-116 record, like so the quarterback win record like is just dumb. But Eli Manning, if it had not been for Manningham making the you know that play and then the David Tyree play, um, it's like it changes his career. And uh, you know all it takes is one, um, you know one game, one throw. Um, but yeah, like that. I mean, there's no reason Kirk can't get us there. Now, uh, is he the guy that's going to go? You know. Patrick Mahomes and put the entire team on his back? Likely not. But if you have everything around him um, in in a position to succeed, he can be a very good quarterback. But a lot of quarterbacks in this league are like that. So we'll see. Sally, any parting thoughts from you on anything? Um, Not really. Like you said, busy day, uh, a lot (laughs) to take in. I I hope we get more busy days like this this week. <laughs> Hopefully with more um, Packers tea and less Vikings uh, controversy. But I would love to see Didi in purple by um, Wednesday when uh, camp starts. That would be a great uh, start to the camp. Do you want to, I like your Tice idea. Do you want to do that or should we plug McKinney for that role? Okay, so I would love to do it since I'm one of only 286 people that he follows on Twitter. <laughs> So I could, however, Mm -hmm. um, every single time I tweet him, I can't even get a like, so I don't, and I, could you imagine me typing out, Hey, Mike Tice, um, I'm on a show with Bryant McKinney. Would you like to join? He'll be like, excuse me. He has my number. You stupid fangirl. So um, So start with, start with the McKinney group chat. I think McKinney should do it. Yeah. And McKinney um, has, it seems like he has a great re- relationship oh, with yeah. him. So yeah, I'm he sure loves that, him. I wonder and if I w- he'll, I wonder if McKinney will get in that mood like he was for Derisaw, where he just felt like it was like his, his cousin was on, you know, he was like, hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> he was all excited. Yeah. Maybe and if think- we, after we talk like football, the important stuff, we can get Tice's opinion on the whole love boat thing and what, what went down with that too. So since McKinney's so open to, to discuss or, you know, at least, touch on it and be here interesting to hear what Tice has to say now that he has no coaching ties. Yeah, I would love to hear what Tice has to say about training camp when he was in Big Cato too. I mean, because next Wednesday will be the first day of camp. So there won't be that much to talk about, I don't think. So that would be a good Tice episode. Whereas I think the following Wednesday there will probably be a lot more that went down to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then after that, same thing for a couple right. weeks. Well, I don't know. Anytime I can talk to Mike Tice would be great. Well, I will. We can, I'll text Bryant in the morning and then we'll see if we can line up Tice. We also got to discuss when we want to try to conquer Favre because I, I think Bryant can make that happen. We're going to have Favre on? <laughs> Taper your excitement. <laughs> I, 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 mean, about the <laughs> I 
mean, <laughs> he he's kind of had some comments. You know, you know what? Like, I, I it actually would be cool to hear what he like if he wants to chime in on this Rogers situation. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah but would he do it on here? Yeah, we'll be national. <laughs> oh, Brett Favre said. <laughs> well, well, you know, but the thing is, like, we it it can only it only needs to be a one time thing. Go make it go viral, and we never have him back again. So, but. Not ask it in a rude way, but you know, yeah, Favre has done a lot of talking lately. That, uh, yeah, I mean, if he wants to talk about <laughs> Rogers, I'll let all that slide. Oh, he's not afraid <laughs> to talk about stuff. So. All I right, no, well, but Brandon, his handlers might not like that. <laughs> Brandon, we'll get you on here before the end of the year so you can meet McKinney, and we mm-hmm. appreciate your insight. Uh, anything else from you, sir? No, I appreciate it. You guys having me on, really. Thank you so much. And, uh, I guess I'm just looking forward to. Maybe we'll hear a Harrison Smith extension in the near future. That'd be cool. Um, and maybe a Brian O'Neill, ex- you know, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. thanks for hopping on everybody at our late hour and school biking. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.